0: Welcome to the Back in Action podcast. Are you a weekend warrior, a current or former high-performing athlete, or do you just have questions about what a chiropractor can do for you in a rehab setting? Here, we'll dive into the world of chiropractic and exercise rehab and how they both can be utilized to get you back in action.
1: All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Back in Action podcast. We have episode six, ready for you. Um, we have our first guest on the podcast, Devin, and uh, just a quick background with him. He is one of our classmates. He's doing his outpatient clinic up in uh, Buffalo. Um, he also has his own online coaching platform, does a lot of powerlifting, lifting, and uh, we're going to let him take over the podcast for the night. So, Devin, go ahead. Take it away.
2: Um, Yeah, so I'll keep the background kind of brief, I guess, but um, yeah, classmate of, of these guys right here. Uh, in our 10th trimester, we graduate in April from NYCC, formerly or Northeast College of Health Sciences, formerly known as NYCC. Um, yeah, I have like an online coaching business. I think I've had it formally for uh, almost a year now. Um, but I, I did some some coaching like prior to actually like getting a business foundation set up. Um, I also do some like in, in-person training here. I've competed in powerlifting since... I want to say 2013 now um kind of exploring the weight weightlifting realm as we speak um yeah born and raised in new hampshire but yeah i don't know what else you guys want to know leave it at that
1: yeah no that was that was perfect for an intro (laughs)
2: um
1: so we'll just jump right into some of the questions we had for you um just going off with like what we talk a lot, a lot about on the podcast. I don't know if you've listened to any of the episodes, but we try to keep it yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. We try to Definitely keep it to a lot of like rehab, like rehab in the chiropractic setting. Um, been talking about like the positive benefits of just going into the gym, just staying active and moving. So, um, in the chiropractic profession, in your opinion, do you think there's starting to become more of that shift to the rehab setting?
2: Um, I don't know, like. <clears throat> I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say, like, especially it's it's hard for me to say, like, I would want to say yes. And I think that it's at risk of kind of just being biased towards like what I'm exposed to, because like who I network with are typically people like within the rehab space. Right. So it's like, if I'm just relying on my personal perception of that, like, yeah, definitely. Cause it's just what I choose to surround myself with in terms of the profession and totality, like maybe, but I don't think you could really say for certain without doing like i don't know like a a study on like prevalence of like mindset throughout chiropractic um but yeah i think like seeing seeing change in the profession is going to happen one at the individual level right like you have like older professionals kind of age out of the the profession and the younger crowd who i think is more rehab based like especially being exposed to you guys like until this try like I didn't know where your guys's mindset was and like that was super refreshing because like I didn't think I was gonna have students alongside me in this clinic experience who who thought the way that I did because like I I I felt personally isolated throughout a lot of the curriculum for like my my points of view especially surrounding like clinical care there um but yeah hard hard to say really.
1: I was just going to say I'll ask from a different perspective. So do you think and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but do you think there's instead of the profession shifting to the rehab setting? Do you think there's more of a shift almost in patients mindset with what they're looking to get out of treatment from uh, not only their chiropractors, but even like physical therapists? Like, do you think there's more of that shift towards like they're going for a preference with the more movement based treatments or where where's your mindset on that?
2: yeah potentially you know and i think like a lot of that probably comes from like seeing other practitioners who maybe didn't provide a great narrative and just didn't get them results right like we're going through all these like passive modalities and like still in pain still can't really do the things that i came here to try to be able to do and that's where you'll probably see a big shift in that like that patient mindset where it's like okay these things aren't working like i need something different and you're just going to seek out somebody probably in the rehab space especially when it comes to chiropractic just because it's different and i think like there's a benefit to that in terms of of marketing too because you can separate yourself and you can just market towards those people who have gone through you know prior bad experiences prior bad experiences and like they're like oh okay this is different like i'm going to give it a shot and, like it's an it's an opportunity to build value there so they don't think they're they're walking into a similar situation does that answer your question a bit
1: yeah absolutely yeah. i think connor's got one for you then too so he'll jump
0: on yeah I, well first off i definitely agree with you that our uh curriculum is very much not tailored towards somebody like what we're trying to get into and coming with that, we don't really get a lot of exposure to something like telehealth. I feel like that's something that we don't ever get touched upon. Everyone's like, yeah. oh, everything has to be hands on and all that. Because I know you've been doing some like you've been doing online coaching for a little bit now. So when it comes to online coaching, like what is a normal like client of yours going to get with some online coaching with you?
2: Yeah, just in terms of like the service you mean
0: yeah kind of kind of like offer
2: through that yeah you're
0: you're just getting a new client and
2: yeah yeah so for sure like i mean i always do like i like to offer like free contact like i'll always hop on a call with somebody um, for free to just to make sure that we're a good fit for each other and to make sure that I can help them in the best way possible. Right. So it's, it's usually like a conversation, like somebody will reach out to me. Um, if we decide to, to book a call off that, then it's like, okay, fill out an intake. So I have some information to go off through that, to guide that initial conversation. And then it's just a matter of kind of like, it's almost like going through like a patient history with somebody, right. Just kind of like seeing where they're at, um, and trying to, to tie that bank back into like what I can provide for them in terms of value, um, just to, to build that initial buy-in and then hopefully transition them into into the service itself, which is essentially, it's just individualized programming. Um, but I think like the, the real value is in just like the daily support with it, right? So it's like, it's definitely a, an experience tailored toward those who might just be kind of like lost in terms of what to do, whether it's in a painful setting or whether it's just like a performance setting, right? Like they, 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 they're typically like pretty active in the weight room. And then they're just kind of like looking to take that next step and just due to the, the copious amount of information on the internet, especially like with social media these days, um, having trouble navigating that, or they're, they're just like at a point where maybe in a painful situation that they're just discouraged and like maybe they can't use a barbell at the moment. Um, and just looking for, for an Avenue back into that. But yeah, it's, it's personalized programming. It's daily tech support. I always offer my clients like video calls. Um, I'm trying to work on like building more, more of like an educational aspect like built into the service because that's the part I enjoy. Like I enjoy hopping on calls with people, like even conversations like this, like this is the part that, that really fires me up just talking to to like-minded people. Um, so that's kind of where I'm probably going to shift my, my marketing towards. Definitely something
0: like being in chiropractic school is definitely something that's only going to help that situation. All that. I just didn't know who you're like kind of your ideal client base, but I feel like, do you feel like being in chiropractic school kind of widens your, like, like widens your scope for the amount of people that you can help with stuff like that?
2: Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think like going off the. Just the ideal client base. I'm kind of like still defining that for myself. Um, where I feel I'm, I can provide the most value is really that transition point for those who they've been active in the weight room. They're they're starting to become consistent with it, and they're just they're they feel that they lack the knowledge or confidence in a plan. So it's really like taking them from that next step of like okay, like it's a behavior at this point. Like we exercise daily, we're in the weight room, we're, we're trying to build ourselves a plan and they're just kind of frustrated with that process and like want to learn more. And I just kind of help facilitate that, um, that growth of knowledge given the chaos of the internet. Right. And I think like that, like that's one that I really enjoy working with the other side of that. I think it's just like lifters in chronic pain who really like don't know where to go or they, they're starting to get that feeling of like, Hey, like maybe I just can't do this anymore of. You know, I I used to play sports in high school or college and I'm getting into my, you know, mid to late twenties and early thirties. And and it's just at a point where, you know, like maybe it's just not for me, maybe I, I am starting to age and it's just, it's not, not like an accurate depiction of the situation. So I think there's a lot of value, um, just helping somebody understand their painful experience and getting them back to, to doing what they love in the weight room, especially when it comes to strength training. So yeah that's great yeah
0: yeah. no no that's great that's not that the that's, question was there a follow-up I mean, question to that more than i could have okay. ever asked for really that's definitely something yeah definitely something that uh i know we've <laughs> like just even from knowing you for like the last couple of years something that we knew you were kind of going towards that that avenue and it's definitely an avenue that i had yeah like, yeah for sure i was so underexposed to that i had like just essentially my eyes opened through all that
2: yeah, for sure. Oh, uh, oh, and I, I just remembered your the second part of that question, actually. Yeah, Sorry. no worries. Sometimes I ramble and I forget what you said. But um, yeah, like how my chiropractic education kind of be- benefits me there, right? And I think it's just like, I don't know, dude, like a lot of it is you go through school and you're just like, what the fuck is this? Like, why? where am I going to apply this? Um, And I think through that, like there was still value. Like at first I didn't really see it. I'm just like, wow, this is just a waste of my time right but i think you can kind of leverage that because you also know a lot of things that don't matter for somebody looking for like a performance benefit or just looking to get out of chronic pain into the weight room where it's like oh okay like you know all all these things still matter and like that's how it, like training principles has kind of been my perspective of how i've seen things through chiro school where it's like if it doesn't make sense principally like it probably just doesn't make sense right so it's like i have been doing kind of like bob and weave through information just utilizing that lens of perception there and like filter through bullshit where it's like okay passive modalities like and i i think there's absolutely a time and a place for them there's value but it's like if that's all we're doing we're just doing the same thing over and over again and expecting that to be a solution to the problem outside of just some like immediate pain relief like there's no there's no like principle of like progressive overload. Like how are we progressing some like a stimulus for somebody to get back into doing activity? Like it just, it just doesn't make sense. Right. So it's like, I think it really just reinforced my knowledge that I already had coming in as well as just gave me a background that I, I need to know. And like, obviously like, like it's valuable for us to know certain things about pathology just so if somebody comes in with some weird situation, we at least know, where to put them right so it's like oh this isn't my problem go see this guy right so it's it's just like it helps you build that network and it can get somewhere somebody where they need to go and i think there's there's value there's always like a return on value in that too because like most people i think would appreciate that um and yeah i think like in the in the online space like I can pretty much apply all of my knowledge like even in terms of like history taking um just interpersonal skills that i've built through through Cairo school as well as like diagnostics and not not in a sense where like in my position like with online coaching I, I obviously can't use my license because i work with people out of state like out of new york state so there's that limitation but when you look at that limitation it's really just a matter of okay one i can't use manual therapy which i'm online can't do it anyway doesn't really create much of a barrier than I already have. And then two, I couldn't bill insurance, which I don't want to do anyway, because that's just a headache on its own. And then like three, it's okay. I can't diagnose somebody. Right. But it's like, we can have the conversation of like, how valuable is diagnosis in the MSK setting? Like, i like, I don't know, like maybe this is a hot take, but I don't think it's, it's that valuable. Right. Like I think, you know, whether, whether somebody has like a rotator cuff tear or like a labrum tear, it's like, Intervention kind of stays the same, right? Like, we can utilize these passive modalities to increase short term range of motion, uh, decrease pain in the short term. But after that, like, the answer is pretty much like progressive exercise back into the activities that they want to do, right? So it's like you can pretty much leave it at shoulder pain without giving somebody an immediate answer and still get the job done in a successful manner. Um, and I think there's definitely a time and a place for utilizing diagnosis where it's like maybe somebody just comes in and they're a bit chaotic and they just want this ounce of, of certainty for, for some buy-in. And like that, that's probably where you'll see the most value in terms of, of like MSK issues, um, where it's like, Hey, like this is probably what it is just to give them some peace of mind. And that allows you more space to work with them and hopefully get them to where you want to go. Um, but I think like most things that should be diagnosed, like things like diabetes, like hypertension, um, anything else in that, in that area, like it probably shouldn't be diagnosed by us anyway. Right. So it's like, I'm pretty comfortable with leaving things as like okay you have neck pain you have shoulder pain you have hip pain you have back pain whatever it is and rule out red flags and then from there like I can kind of just like trial and error things and if things aren't progressing in a in a positive manner then it's time to maybe okay like go see a physician or something right but it's like if I can't diagnose it or if I feel that there's a need to diagnose it like I'm not going to send him to a fucking chiropractor I'm going to send him to a doctor who has like a wider scope of practice and like just more education and all these other areas that, that we don't have. And I think like our introduction to pathology for some people kind of gives them like a false confidence that we can now like diagnose and treat all these conditions. But it's like, I don't see that as the purpose of that material where it's like this material is just so, Oh, you have a skin condition. That's not my problem. Maybe it's causing you pain here. Go see this guy. So I can help others who are more a better fit for this situation. That was a long-winded answer,
3: sorry. So I guess I'll pipe in a little bit here and uh, add my two cents, give a couple questions for you. But uh, no, Devin, like I I love what you're saying so far and definitely, um, I mean, we've had a lot of these conversations, whether it be in clinic or uh, over to Instagram and um, I couldn't agree more with a lot of the things you've been touching upon. Um, My question kind of pertains to what Connor was bringing up briefly, uh, take it back to the curriculum. And obviously, we've all been through chiropractic school together now and three months removed from graduating. But if you had to look back on things and uh, say you're given the opportunity to start your own chiropractic college, um, how would your curriculum differ from that that we get here? And what would you like to see in like, kind of the new wave of uh, chiropractic curriculum?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um, and I think I think it's like coming for me because I don't know how to run an institution, obviously. Right. But like I can I can give maybe some starting points of like what I'd want to see. And I think like, obviously, I mean, it's tough, but like maybe a pullback from like all the board stuff. Right. Like, you know, maybe have that as like a separate type thing where it's like, okay, there's boards, like study groups throughout the program where it's like, when that time comes, let's hammer that stuff and like, just make it aware throughout the the courses where like, Hey, you have to pass these exams if you want your license. Right. But like, I think that had led to a lot of wasted time, especially in the, the technique classes. Um, and I think like our curriculum does a good job of preparing us for boards, but like, unfortunately it's like, once the boards are done, it's like, that shit's not that valuable anymore. Um, definitely just like training principles, like a, like a concept around training principles and not even just in a sense of of training, but like just having like principles of adaptation and what that means and what that looks like. I would hammer the shit out of those. And then I think just more like critical thinking aspects where it's, it's, I think that's, that would be more so like how you structure the classes of just like less, you know, like lecturing and more, more like discussion and engagement obviously alongside the information that, that you need to know. Um, Cause I feel like they kind of like waited a long time to introduce that into the program where it was just, it was a lot of basic sciences, which I'd keep all those. in. I think those were valuable just for, for that broad lens of everything. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would, those would be the, the major changes really um, that I can think of off the top of my head.
3: Yeah. I loved what you said there, you know, like taking a shift away from, um, more of that like boards heavy material and really just, you know, maybe focusing more on the clinical aspect and, you know, what works in the real world. Cause I mean, we're getting a degree, but we're really trying to become better clinicians, not better at writing boards necessarily. Um, so I, I definitely agree with you and what you said about um, incorporating training principles and just getting a good base foundation in terms of, you know whether it's like exercise progression, active care, that kind of stuff. So really incorporate more of that within the program. Um, I also loved what you said about the the critical thinking aspect, and I think back to some of my my best profs, and a lot of them love to like start a discussion and, you know, just um, really get you thinking about things. So to incorporate more of those, I mean it's obviously hard. You're limited by your staff and who you can hire and whatnot, but uh, I definitely think that critical thinking aspect is something that can be incorporated a lot more within our program as well. Yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I honestly, like, I think the value of education is, you know, it's it's more so determined by who's teaching rather than the curriculum itself, right? Because it's like, I think about, like all the great professors that I've had, which few and far between, right? But like the impact that they've had just on my, like my ability to critical think. Right. And it was, it was more like teaching a skill of self-guided learning than it was actually just teaching textbook material. Right. And I think like that, that's where the value is in education. It's like, can you build the toolbox? So it's like, if you don't know something, you have the ability to go figure it out. Right. And like, I think like part of why, how I've developed that in the past is just a frustration through Professors that weren't passionate, especially like in my undergrad, like I was really frustrated even with that education, and like that's when I really started to self teach. Like I would just constantly read outside of the classroom because I didn't feel like I was really gaining any benefit, um, and I kind of carried that. And I think that was like a huge advantage for me going into um, grad school because like I already had that skill set, and like I think that is a skill set skill set that should be taught in university so it's like you you have that preparation especially from when you get out into practice and it's like the learning stops for a lot of people because and some of that's probably just like a lack of competency like they don't know how to teach themselves because they don't have somebody just spoon feeding them information to pass an exam
3: yeah that's awesome man um i definitely love your perspective on it um I guess my, my next question is then like after talking about the curriculum and like knowing what we know now and going through the program, um, and being like three months removed from graduating, um, or I guess two months, whatever it is, um, would you do it all over again? Like, I guess that's my, my question. Like, I, I know obviously like you took the trimester off and took some time to think about it, but, uh, um, would you see yourself going through this program again knowing what you know now
2: no i i wouldn't have gone to Kyra school if i if i knew what i knew now going badly like, i wouldn't have gone to Kyra school like i don't even know but i mean like, like that's easy to say right because it's like it neglects all the personal growth that brought that i developed through Kyra school right like i don't think i'd be where i am right now without that frustration like that constant frustration of my education right because like that kind of it caused me to take that huge step back. And like, that was one of the best decisions I ever made for myself. Right. Just like taking a step back, reflecting on like, really like what I want my life to look like and what I want. And like, honestly, just like dealing with, with a lot of my own personal bullshit when it comes to, to ego and insecurity. Right. Like I just kind of sat with myself for, I don't even know how long it was four or five months. Right. And like, I, I see things completely different than I did that December before or that November before I dropped out. Right. so i think like i don't regret anything like i can look back and say like oh yeah Cairo school was probably a mistake for me but that's only knowing what i know now and had i not known that i would have made the same mistake like i don't you know i don't know
1: you mentioned something when you were talking about coaching that like i thought was i, I you thought it was going to be like a hot take kind of thing but i honestly i i agree with you when you said how valuable is diagnosis in a musculoskeletal setting um so I'm just curious with your patients like obviously like you said you do online uh like are you, you're seeing them like on Zoom too right
2: Okay Yeah I use Google Meets just cuz I have a Chromebook right. okay. and Zoom tends yeah, to I was going to say like how yeah, do you can you call. just
1: walk us through like how do you do like a functional movement assessment like with your patients on that setting cuz obviously it's like kind of tough to see everything at like every angle and all that and then from there after doing that assessment like How do you even go about like coaching, like, or making modifications into what they're doing to actually target their pain without physically being there to see like, if there's a hip shift to one side when they're doing a squat or, you know what I mean? Like things like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good question. And like, honestly, I I started off doing like some movement assessments, but I don't even do them anymore. And I kind of just build that into the expectation, right? Cause like, when we look at like a formal movement assessment, it's like, like we need we need context to determine its value, right? Cause it's like I, I would rather look at okay, like what is this person trying to do? And like what are the subcomponents or the things involved with getting them back to where they were or beyond that, right? So it's like a lot of the times the assessment is just the first week of training, right? Like send me videos. And I, I, I make that the expectation where it's like, hey, like the more videos you send me off the bat the more information I have to make decisions going forward and the better off we're both going to be in this relationship. Right. Um, but you know, and there, there might come a time, like, I just haven't had the circumstance happen where I'll be like, Oh, maybe we should take a look at things off, off the bat before I throw you under a barbell. Right. But it's like, and I think a lot, a lot of this comes with information during the initial consult, like what's the training history, right? Like, if they if they've trained under a barbell consistently like i'm not worried about putting them back under a barbell really right and um especially when it comes to to a painful situation too like you know it's all it's obviously context dependent right sometimes you need to control volume sometimes it's load sometimes it's uh proximity to failure um sometimes it's just like removing specific exercises from the program for some time and like regress the pattern um and, and but still putting them in a position where they can work towards their goals right so there's there's a variety of ways to approach that that variable of pain and it's a lot of it's really just a discussion right where it's rehab really is the the same process as training we just now have a different variable in the mix that may become a limiting factor right where it's like oh okay like you know, my pain was a factor today, so I could only back squat two twenty five when I had programmed two seventy five, right? And it's like I think it's just building their toolbox toolbox for auto regulation in terms of, okay, how do we approach training when pain arises in a circumstance, right? Because like, looking at pain, especially in a in a in the in in acute sense, like time usually takes care of things. In a chronic sense, like maybe it gets a little more complicated, right? But, um yeah, it's like controlling expectations I think is, is really where, what I lean into when it, when it comes to that. And like flare ups are a normal part of the rehab process. Right. And like making sure that they're on the same page about that. Like, Hey, like if this thing makes it worse, maybe we just need more time, or maybe we just need to regress something further or try a different strategy. Right. And like just re- reassuring them along the way that if a flare up occurs that, um, there are other options to try. And it's, it's normal, right? Like pain, pain is this normal thing. And I think like the differentiation, the differentiation there is like, okay, pain is normal. Persistence may not be right. So it's like when we're dealing with chronic pain circumstances, like it, we shouldn't, you know, hammer in like, Oh, you're always going to be in this uh, significant amount of pain, but, um, we can articulate it as a normal experience. And I think just to lean into that, like psychological aspect of, okay, like what is somebody's belief around pain? Right. Cause like that, can absolutely contribute. We
1: kind of talked about that a little bit on the last podcast. Like we talked about like that fear avoidance and like kind of trying to like change the narrative for patients, um, you know, to to almost like change their perception of fear and uh, pain and like associating them together and how that can be, that can turn into a problem because they're then going to start like, if they're doing deadlifts and they're getting like that low back pain, they're then going to associate deadlifts with always getting low back pain. And then they're going to completely avoid that exercise. Um, so that was something that we touched upon last time. So going off of that, though, have you encountered, um, like a patient, a patient in in which you like kind of found it challenging to really like kind of hone in on what exactly was going wrong and what was, kind of like causing their pain? Like what kind of challenges have you faced either if it was in clinic or either with clinic or the online coaching, like that you've came across, that's really caused some issues or really made you like, kind of step back and have to like, really think
2: about what was going on. Yeah, no, all the time, actually. Yeah. Um, like, I, I think even like a recent client of mine, like, I mean, we've been working together for, I think close to four months now. Um, and we're, we're finally in a spot where we're like, linking together consistent sessions under a barbell that are tolerable. Like sometimes there's minor discomfort, but we're, we're getting through the sessions, we're able to load the barbell. Um, but there was a lot that that didn't work, right? Like we, we started out controlling uh, volume and load and like anything under a barbell was was still like causing a flare up. So for a time we removed the barbell completely, tried to, and it, we had some success there. So we tried to transition it back in and it was kind of the same thing, like another flare up and then it's like, Shit, okay, like gotta keep trying stuff. Um, so so we modified some things. We take we took a a deeper look at a technique. Um, we had conversations around like, okay, like what do we think pain means? Like, what what do we think is causing it's like trying to get his perspective on it too, because like he's a very intelligent individual. Um, and kind of brainstormed together there. We took a look at stress, right? Like he he's also a Cairo student, like so, like stress is high, that can also uh be a variable that's contributing. Um, and yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like one of those situations where it's like, I, I like looking back on it, like, I don't even know what the one thing was now that brought us to the success that we're currently having. Right. Like, I don't know if it was one decision I made, or I don't know if it was a, a collection of the decisions I made. Right. But I think like being okay with that uncertainty is very important because most things are fairly uncertain. Right. So it's like, like that's, that's an example too. Um, yeah, like it's, it's all the time. And I think like it, it is trial and error. Like we, we have to be just as comfortable with that as the patient is. Right. And I think like going back to what I was saying before, like honing in on expectations, like this shit takes time. There's really no way around that. Um, And sometimes just having the the, the tough conversation around that reality is, is super important.
1: Yeah. I think that's huge. Like, especially cause I think a lot of patients like will come in wanting like a, almost like a cookie cut answer. Like this is what's going on. This is what fixes it. And, uh, you know, we all as like soon to be clinicians, like understand that that's not always the case. And there's people respond different, differently to different techniques. Um, so I think that's huge just to, I loved what you said about making the, uh, or having the conversations about like the meaning of pain because pain is so subjective for everyone. Like, and it can mean so many different things. So just talking about that and going over with them communicating that like it is going to be a series of trial and error. I think that's huge. So yeah, you, the way you are doing things with online coaching, like that's, that's just awesome how you're running it.
2: Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. And like, it's, it's a, it's a difficult thing. Like, you know, I think like the, the individual has to dictate like where we, we go with the rehab process. And like, as much as I would like to give somebody a clear cut answer, like it's, it's just not the reality of it. So Awesome.
0: Uh, just one last question then for you with all this online coaching and obviously clinic taking up a lot of your time, where do you fit your own training program in?
2: Oh man, wherever I can really, uh, it's been actually even like, even over the past couple months, like it's been kind of sporadic and like a lot of my own training, like since coming to, 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 buff to the Buffalo area, like it's been pretty unstructured for the most part, right? Like I just kind of like, I fuck around with the barbell a lot, you know, cause I, I enjoy working with the barbell. Um, and you know, I, I've leaned into it, I think since I've gotten here to, for like the aspects of enjoyment and, um, kind of just like some stress relief where I can just shut off the brain and, and throw some shit around. Um, and like, I'm just kind of now like getting back into more, more structured, structured training here. Um, it's been really fun to compete at like Kenmore barbell the over the past couple months um that's a great community so i think like that's that's helped keep me engaged in in the weight room but yeah it's really just it's sporadic it's like whenever i find time during the day um and it's yeah like i wouldn't even say i juggle it well like i'm just i'm fumbling all the time i'm just trying to get through it and i'm, I'm ready to graduate so i can focus on kind of the other aspects of of business and my own training so yeah
0: uh, aren't, aren't we all Mm-hmm Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I guess I'm gonna add in one more one more thing then. Yeah. Uh,
2: I'll talk all night. You have any advice? Yeah.
0: Do you have any advice for any incoming students or anyone who might want to get into like the online coaching realm or online telehealth?
2: Yeah. I mean, just like leverage external resources. Like, get if you want to be a part of the online space, like you just have to engage in the online space, right? Like, you know, for me, like the online coaching thing kind of just started like through, like my first client was a friend of mine. I was at home lifting with him over one of our school breaks. I think it was, I don't know what try it was, but it was like 2021 and like over the summer. And, you know, I, I'd lifted with him through powerlifting since like 2013. Like we had a a barbell club in the area. And like, he basically was just like, Hey man, like I'd let you coach me. Like, why don't we make this a formal thing? And I was just, it kind of sat with it a little bit. And I was like, Oh, sure. Like I'll do it. Um, and that, that was my first client. He's still with me. And then it, it's just kind of grown sense because you know, and then, and like COVID happened and the online space kind of grew up or blew up because everybody was forced into that area. And I was involved with like prescript, um, back. I think that was 2021 as well. Um, or maybe 2022. I don't remember what year is it? 2023, something like that. Um, but yeah, and like that that's helped me grow in the online space for sure. Like you guys have helped me grow in the online space like if just like consistent posting. Um and then just yeah, like having a training background obviously helps because like I can translate like my competency from in person to the online setting, which I think is valuable and I don't necessarily think that it's the way that you have to do it because I know I know there are coaches out there who who started in the online setting, but I think making sure that you practice what you preach and have a foundational knowledge of training, know what it's like to train, uh, is only going to benefit your clients. So that's what I would say for for the most part.
1: Yeah, awesome, Devin. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh, giving us your knowledge and expertise on online coaching and what you think about rehab chiroprac- uh, chiropractic. So um, for our listeners, if you don't already, give Devin a follow on Instagram. He's Devin.pioli, and it's P-I-O-L-I. Um, again, thanks for coming on. and yeah, thanks, uh, we thanks look for forward having me, guys. To, Yeah, of course. Uh, we look forward to um, hearing how you do in the future and everything, and obviously we should, we'll be in touch. We should and post we, this once video. Once we get that blue... Because my mustache <laughs>
2: looks pretty good in this lighting.
1: <laughs> but uh, <laughs> once uh, once we get the blue check on Instagram, we'll be sure to have you on again.
2: Awesome. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love to be... I, I love...
3: What's going on guys? So it's Austin here. Um, This is an interesting pod. We kind of made it this far, got the whole thing done. We're all fired up, like just had a good podcast and then our audio just cut and everything dropped. Uh, Come back to the site, realize all my audio is missing. Kind of sounds stupid because Devin's just talking and there's no questions coming in. So kind of had to fill those back in. Um, fix everything back together. So, if it doesn't make sense in some parts, I'm sorry, but this was a great conversation with Devin. We learned lots from him um, about his insights on online coaching, training principles, um, and even just kind of what he experienced throughout the chiropractor program. Uh, so, I'm kind of doing Bridget's spiel here, but obviously, this is our first guest on. Let us know how you guys thought we did. Um, all the feedback's appreciated. We hear a lot of you um, whether good, bad, whatever, like we want to hear it, just let us know. Um, but I think next week's episode, you know, we'll try and keep the guests rolling out. I don't know what we really have in store yet. I think we're still trying to work that out, but hopefully you guys enjoy this one and we'll catch you on the other side. Take care guys.